Yeah, swinging. Hello, I'm Emma Clare and welcome to the Prohibition Radio Show. It's October and would you believe it, we are into the seventh instalment of our brand new interview series. This month, it is the turn of freshly squeezed record label boss Nick Hollywood. They're in their 15th year of providing the world with electro swing and vintage remixes. So I thought it was a great time to catch up with Nick to find out where it all began and also look at what the future holds for the record label. If you'd like to listen to the music show that accompanies this, then you need to head over to our YouTube channel and Mixcloud forward slash Prohibition MCR. What's that you say? You gotta turn on the radio. Okay. Hi, Nick. Thank you for speaking to Prohibition. How are you? I'm very good, Emma. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks. It's a rainy day in Manchester, but, you know, the show must go on. It's a rainy day. (laughs) I've been really excited about this one, and I know there's a lot of people that are going to be um, really interested to hear about Nick Hollywood and your superstar career. So, um, for those people that don't know who you are, who might be new to the world of Electro Swing and Vintage Remix, can you just tell me a bit about yourself and how and where did it all begin? That's such an open-ended question, Emma. How how can I possibly answer that? Um, it's well, a very obviously, long, we've only got an hour, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's start. Freshly Squeezed uh, Record Label, which is my record label, 15 years this year. Um, run also events, which were which kind of were born out of the compilation. I'm sure we'll talk about that, White Mink. And, um, yeah, so uh, ran the White Mink events and also uh, Electro Swing Club events. Um done a lot of kind of festival programming, done promotions as a kind of a club promoter and also live events promoter, done festival stage programming, uh, had a joint record label with Island Records, part of Universal. So yeah, kind of um, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of related, interconnected bits in music business. Absolutely. Sorry to throw you in with such an open-ended question to start off, right. but I should have started off with a nice, easy one. <laughs> Um, so you obviously you're um, really big into the electro swing and vintage remix but I'd like to know kind of like what music were you into before you got into electro swings let's go kind of back a step before yeah okay so I mean the the, the most recent thing before that I mean you know your your musical tastes uh, tend to be kind of a journey and you know as a as a DJ and collector, you, you follow an eclectic path and there's things that you like and you go down that path and you get a bit bored with it or you take a left turn. And so it's a constant evolution. I think, you know, I, I was very into jazz and then we, um, in the 90s, I did a, a, was part of the whole kind of lounge club thing, sort of kitsch, easy listening in London and ran a club night. And that was my first kind of taste of running a record label. We did compilations and we did uh, we did our own releases on that label so yeah pr- prior to doing freshly squeezed i was very much part of the lounge thing and then the first releases on freshly squeezed were also kind of coming out of that okay, that yeah, sound so my own stuff and uh, you know other people that i signed Oh, that sounds really interesting. I know there's a few kind of artists from the electro swing scene that have kind of come from the lounge kind of vibe. So, right. yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, you obviously kind of talked, briefly talked about the White Mink compilations, which leads really well into my next question. Um, I've been doing my homework on you, been doing a bit of, a bit of digging, so you kind of uh-huh. like that's where it. it all began. So, if I've got my stats right, it was 2005 when the first White Mink Black Cotton uh, compilation CD came out. No, um, so no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. 
It no, wasn't. Your, um, your bio on Continental Drifts is wrong then. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, of course. Do you know Tofu? <laughs> you, yes. Yeah. Uh, to- tofu, Tofu's facts are random. His, his heart is in absolutely <laughs> right place and his facts are all over the place. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I've, t- I've, got, I've completely taken the wrong source then. So, for the, so let's, let's get this stuff straight. Then what, what year did it come out? Twitties started in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009, we released the first white mink compilation. It was the f- 2009 was also the first use of the word electro swing. So I think we, we were slightly beaten. I think Wagram released an electro swing compilation in that year, and we also released uh, the white mink electro swing versus speakeasy jazz, as it's subtitled. So that was that was the start of that genre. And that when we also did the the first electro swing club, which was the world's first in London in 2009, which was the exactly. launch of the white mink. Yeah, and what what was the inspiration behind the release? Obviously, because electro swing was so new. Kind of what brought you into this like exciting kind of new genre? So I came at it from a really funny angle, um, which was that I was talking to a friend of mine who was a, a DJ in London who's since sadly died, called El Nino, and he was a kind of he was very big on the vintage scene, and he had been to Club Montepulciano, which was our kind of lounge night. So I knew him from that, and he wanted to do a compilation of R&B stuff, like kind of vintage jukebox R&B. And he, and he gave me a couple of CDs that he'd already done, and he wanted to kind of go legit. They were kind of bootleg things he was selling at Camden Market. And he also gave me a CD of like vintage 20s and 30s jazz. And I was like, well, I really like the R&B stuff, but I like even more of this 20s and 30s stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was also aware of, you know, Parallel Stella had, had sort of dabbled in it. It was kind of very much new jazz, but he'd kind of put out things that sampled vintage swing. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of also aware of Caravan Palace and their album. And I actually thought, this is really interesting. Nobody's doing this at all. It's just, just nothing there. It hasn't even got up. You know, it's not a name, but I could yeah. hear there was a sort of a feel. And it was just exciting. So I just... So the first White Mink, I, I, I did that compilation of the vintage stuff with Nino and then I did a, like a modern side with Caravan Palace and uh, Princess Crocodile and all that sort of stuff. It took a long time to, to put it all together and um, I thought it was more of a, just a labour of love. It was a really a passion project. Mm-hmm. I didn't, there was no market, there was no scene, there was nobody, there was nothing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and then uh, as we were doing that, the, I think the Wagram were exactly the same idea or similar mm-hmm. idea their first compilation came out and ours came out shortly afterwards and it, it was just i mean it was just really lucky timing and right from the off it was you know it was really obvious that people were ready for it because it took off immediately with, absolutely uh, it's something yeah yeah it's something fresh and new it's people like um, and you kind of you ran, kind of answered all my questions for me actually you, you um, right. mentioned um electro swing club um, though, so that kind of you um, that kind of came off the back of um, I think well I've taken my facts from Tofu's uh, mm. bio so these may be wrong but that came the back came off the back of the CD launch party that you did for exactly. Exactly. the White so Link November 2009 we did we did the launch party and then um, yeah that that kind of launched as a as a monthly event and um, yeah it was it was amazing it was very very quickly very very buzzy it was in Shoreditch and um, yeah it kind of I mean it just it just sort of exploded massively and then uh, you know I pulled back from doing the the London events because I'm, I'm based in Brighton and uh, did White Mink 
the first of the very large white mink events. So I think we did it at the Brighton Festival in uh-huh. uh, May 2010, and that was like 750 capacity, uh-huh. and that just sold out. I mean, <laughs> I was just so like, amazing. "Oh, there's something really going on." <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, that was the, the first sort of standalone white mink gig, and then. I didn't want to do events again because I'd already done 11 years of events. With right. In London, I was like, I'm so sick of doing <laughs> events. And um, it wasn't my plan to do that at all, but it was really obvious that there was something there. And yeah, uh, yeah just, you just take the, take the road that opens up in front of you. Really. Exactly. Sometimes you don't have a choice. They, the paths kind of write themselves. <laughs> um, do you think Electro um, Swing Club played a part in shaping the culture that has accompanied Electro Swing? Or do you think this was dictated by the music itself? Um, I think there were a lot of things which we did early on. Which, which were, you know, I mean, it's, it, the kind of there's a there's a confluence of like a time and technology and all sorts of things which come together, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to say how much they actually into into influence each other or connect. But there were things like, you know, the VJing was on the table from the off. You know, yeah. we always yeah. had the vintage clips. Uh, you know, and that has kind of stayed as part of the as part of the sort of brand if you like or the style of vintage remixes of electro swing um so that was that was there you know the kind of dressing up aspect you know we never enforced it but it was it was always there and it was very kind of quickly latched onto by some people um the sound obviously was was kind of i mean it was very much more open in the beginning i mean it's interesting when when you know no one knew what it was there was no definition whatsoever so the definition was literally what we made and that and it was very open so you know it included kind of more more jazzy new jazz type things and then of course what you know Carol Stella and Caravan Palace and uh, and, and quite quickly a sort of new people came through as well. Mm. Yeah that's, that's really cool it's that leads on well to what I was going to ask actually um, about Power of Stella and Caravan Palace because obviously at the start when you kind of first came to work with them they were at the very start of their careers um, what's it been like watching them kind of blow up over the past 15 years did you ever imagine like back then that they would be as big as they are now yeah <laughs> yes uh, I mean pa- the funny thing about Parov was he was at, he was actually he wasn't in the middle of his career at, all, at the at the beginning he was really quite a long way down he had been doing new jazz releases for quite a while and you know what no one had kind of connected him with the word electro swing well the word electro swing didn't exist um, so yeah he he you know he was quite a way down caravan palace had done their first album mm. but um you know, to, to my ears, I thought it was the most interesting and exciting thing around at that moment. And it it was, you know, it's a bit like you hear something amazing and you go, how come this is not huge? Well, yeah, of course, there's just, you know, put, took people a little while to discover it or something. Exactly. But I mean, actually, what, what, I've, what I've found um, slightly frustrating is the lack of mainstream support, and particularly from, from the kind of mainstream dance community mm-hmm. that... It, it is a it is a relatively small world, but it's not by any means a small scene. You know, it's, a, no. it's in terms of listenership, it's pretty big, and there's just been zero support. I mean, Caravan Palace have done Jules Holland and, and a few bigger things later, mm-hmm. but you know, very little really mainstream recognition or support. Or, why, why do you think that is? Um, 
I think I think probably because it went under the radar initially, and it was, and then by the time people clocked it, it was so it was so big that it was kind of no longer it was it was almost no longer cool to like it because it wasn't <laughs> unfair before it. You know, it, it just kind of exploded too quickly, and then yeah. people were like, "Oh, I, I hate electricity just because it's too <laughs> big." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been, it's become cool to hate electro swing almost. <laughs> well, no, oh. it's, I think it's almost gone past that. It's, it's almost back to being cool again. The oh, is it? Oh, right. Oh, brilliant. We're cool again. <laughs> Yay. Ironic <laughs> way. Yeah. Who knows? keep up. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, you say about um, not kind of gaining much support from the big players, um, but. I spotted, I mean, we're going back quite some time yeah. now in 2010. I think you got recognition from Mixmag. Yeah, um, they branded you as Electro Swing's first landmark moment. Now, obviously, yeah. this is such a big achievement because if you ask any club in the UK what Mixmag is, they're going to know straight away. Um, did this, what impact did this have on White Mink and Freshly Squeezed, if anything? Um, I, th- I think in, in kind of the feeling that we were onto something and we were moving down a, a good road, it also brought, I mean, um, I don't think it, I don't think it made a huge difference because you know that kind of thing. It's really nice to hear, mm-hmm. and it's, it was really nice to be uh, noticed, I guess. And actually, it's quite good that you pointed that out because I had I'd forgotten that. And that is definitely <laughs> there. You go <laughs> ride along on the coattails again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean it, you know it was, it was it was good. It was I think it was one journalist who particularly got got it, and um, yeah, he was great. And there were actually there were actually a few other kind of supporters. Rob DeBank gave us a, a two-hour show on Radio 1, which included, like, Maida Vale Studios and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's massive. Rob DeBank's a, yeah. a really big yeah. name. I remember seeing him playing in Joshua Brooks in Manchester, like, right. many years ago. So, yeah, that's good. Um, so I'd like to talk um, now, obviously, about the, your actual record label. You've been running for 15 years, which is mm. a great achievement. Um, you've worked with loads of um, acts over the years, obviously Swing Rose, Jamie Berry, Wolfgang Law, Marcello Papini, um, the list goes on. This might be an impass- impossible question to answer, but what has been your favourite release and why? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. <laughs> I'd never, ever answer that, Emma. That's, <laughs> a, bit like, that's a bit like saying, what's, which is your favourite child? You know, you, you. I mean, literally, they are all different. And, um, you know, every... You know, I mean, there's things that you feel particularly emotionally connected to, but mm-hmm. I never single anyone out. They're, they're, no. You know, I mean, one of the things about the label is it's very, it's a very personal thing, and each, pretty much each and every release actually means something to me. And we put out stuff that I think is worthwhile. So. That's a great answer. Um, yeah, that, that's great. It's one of those questions you have to ask it because everyone's curious. But as you say, everyone's different, and everyone's got their own merits. So. Yeah, exactly. kudos. <laughs> um, now, as well as working with established acts, um, Freshly Squeeze has kind of given opportunities to kind of a lot of up-and-comers as well. Recently, one yeah. of the one of the names that kind of stands out is the Cut Capers. You right. must receive like a huge amount of demos into the Freshly Squeeze mail mailbox each week. So, what makes a hit record? What what, what when you get one and land in the inbox and you go, "Whoa, this is yeah. going to be massive." Well, I mean, it's surprisingly actually not that difficult. <laughs> I mean, mo- probably 90% of the staff is just like, you know, you think, have, has this person ever even actually listened to what we do? Like a single release. So, you know, the first thing is like, is it in any way relevant to what to what we do? And, um, 
yeah, that that's kind of that's the vast minority of stuff. And then yeah, from then it's really a question of uh, uh, how distinctive is it from everything else that is out there. So you know, although although we are kind of inverted commas maybe a, a slightly niche label or mm-hmm. we're known for doing electro swing, you know, there's no point. I'm not looking for. Harold Stella. I'm not looking for Caravan Ballas. Mm. Although if someone came along who was as good as that, I would be very happy to sign them. <laughs> but, you know, that isn't what, it's not about replicating the sound of somebody else. It's about what are you bringing to the table that's interesting or distinctive or is going to add a new angle or a twist. And I think when you go back through the releases on the label with that in mind, you'll see that you know, there's a there's a, th- a thought process which is how can we push the envelope of what the understanding of this is in some sort of way that's kind of uh, going to open it up in new directions or to new audiences or new people. That's yeah. really yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, I need to know what's the most random um, track you've had drop into the the inbox if you're talking about styles that completely don't match your label. Um, weirdly, I do, do get sent quite a lot of hip hop, like like sort of American. Hip hop, and I think because of the name "Freshly Squeezed," I think it sounds like a bit of a dope label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Squeezed uh, down uh, with the homies. <laughs> so, so I get quite a lot of that, um, which is cool, but it's just not it's not what I do. No, so. no, nice to listen to, but but not not what you want. <laughs> a fair amount. I mean, you can always tell in the first line. You know, people say. I've been influenced by, and uh, you know, then they just say a list of completely irrelevant stuff. Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. quite a lot of metal, funnily enough. I don't know why. Oh, wow. I'd yeah. love to see metal and electro swing fused together. That would be crazy. Oh, too. There actually is a is a band that, I, that I've liked a lot, who um, whose name I shan't mention because I've still got my eye on them. I don't oh, okay. Know. Too much competition out there, Emma. From exactly. Yourself. You don't know who's listening. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So they fuse uh, kind of um, much more kind of punk rock with swing, and it's a very interesting... You know what I, what I was saying earlier. You know, bringing something unique to the table mm-hmm. is an interesting fusion. That's um, cool. I look forward to hearing that one. Now, you're not just a record label boss. Um, you're obviously a DJ. Uh, you've got your own radio show, and you've also, as you see, produced music. Uh, yeah. Again, this is a slightly open-ended question, so apologies. What's been your standout moment from your career? Standout if you moment. Could pick one. Um, oh God, there's so there's so many, so many. I mean, really amazing moments, and. Um, I mean, probably some of the festivals, I think in some of the early electro swing things that we did at like Glastonbury were pretty amazing. Uh, we, you know, I mean, there were big, like 10,000 people, which is which is a lot. And mm-hmm. so there's a real buzz in that. And um, just when it was new and fresh, uh, that was exciting. Uh, but all, all, the, all the gigs that I did with um, Harold Stella and Carav- Caravan Palace were pretty amazing because they were... Basically, word of mouth gigs that yeah. we sold out on, on word of mouth, which is which is really cool. You know, it's just <laughs> like the, the buzz is out there, and you it's it's always tangible when it's there. And then the other one I was going to mention is um, uh, has, has totally gone from my head, and I can. <laughs> <laughs> there were loads. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. That's pretty cool. I'd I'd love to go. I've never ever been to Glastonbury. It's still a right, really? list, so yeah. That's, um, it's another, that's it's cool. another world. It's really, it's it's the best. I mean, it is the mother. Boomtown is amazing, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of amazing festivals. 
think the thing about Glastonbury is one is just so big, and if you've never been, you just you know it's inconceivable uh, <laughs> how large it is. And then um, yeah, the amount of um, sort of subcultures that it's able to incorporate. So there's the big mainstream stuff that you see on the telly, which is the absolutely the least interesting part of the whole experience. <laughs> and then there's all this tiny, tiny, tiny stuff around the peripheries that's all the most interesting, random, bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's the random, crazy, beautiful experiences that you have that are just amazing there. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's the mark of all, of all festivals. So. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, banging myself on the microphone there. Um, so um, obviously I just mentioned before that you were a label boss and a promoter and DJ producer. Would you describe yourself as a record label boss first, a producer second, or... And how would you, yeah, how do you, how do you want people to know you? Human being. <laughs> Everyone's um, a human being. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that they they aren't really separate. I mean, um, you know, they're all kind of parts of the same thing. You know, you're, I'm passionate about music, and you know, I've always loved music myself, and I'm a big music fan and follower. And then that's just that just leads me down the path of. You know, I want to put stuff out. I want to share things that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's uh, yeah. So, so you know, DJing or doing gigs. I mean, it's all is all sort of part of the same thing. So there isn't any one thing. I mean, I'm also a musician. There's lots of there's loads of things that are not on my not on my list because otherwise it just sounds egocentric. But <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know that. What music do you play? I am a saxophone player and a bass player and a producer and piano. Amazing. Now, that was not on my list of questions, and uh, I'm really glad we talked about it because that's something that I didn't know about you. So. Right, they are. Excellent. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, I've got, I've got uh, if you go and look, well, in fact, I had, um, so I did one of my own tracks on the first White Mink album, which is the Nick Hollywood one, which is the only Nick Hollywood track. But before that, I did um, a thing called Lemon, uh, which was sort of sampling, like a breakbeat kind of sampling thing. There's a couple of Lemon albums, which you can mm-hmm. check out. A lot of live trumpet and, and sax, my sax. And then, um, yeah, as well, before, I mean, before that, we was, was in lots of bands. And also did lots of sessions. I mean, there's lots of kind of Britpop tracks that <laughs> I play on and stuff. So, yeah. Amazing. And do you think that live music goes hand in hand with electro swing? Uh, I mean, that's a really painful question to ask Emma, right? Given given the what's going on with live music at the moment and in in Clubland, I mean, you know, all, all of us are just really, really concerned about what is going to happen with live music, what's going to happen to club culture. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I feel really lucky to be in the position where the label is sort of established, and you know, we're not dependent on kind of grassroots growth to to build something i mean it's really yeah it's kind of a a scary moment so yeah it it, it's it's an important part of it a really important part of it yeah i agree fingers crossed things return to some sort of normality soon now i'm probably going to embarrass you with this question um (laughs) uh, the daily telegraph you probably know what I'm going to say when you see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they described you as the godfather of electro swing, which is yes. an impressive title to have. When you yeah. saw that written in the newspaper, how did it make you feel? 
Do you know what? I do, I do, it, yeah, it's. Re- I mean, the thing about being a record label and being a record label boss is that your job is not to put yourself forward. Your job is to advocate and put forward all the acts and the artists that you represent. So it's not um, about me. So it's very nice to be mentioned in the article. And, you know, there are times when I do push myself forward as a DJ or the promoter because that's what that that's how you get seen. It's not my natural thing to do. I'm, I'm more kind of, you know, uh, quiet and... Uh, introverted if you want to kind of use a use a hashtag um, but, um yeah I, i'm yeah it was you know it's nice it's nice but it's um i mean it was it was actually i was more excited about the fact that there was a two-page census spread article in a broadsheet i'm completely wrong what i said at the beginning aren't i <laughs> about a lack of mainstream support because actually that's yeah, another there is quite a lot when you go back through it <laughs> I, I do actually have a um i've got a big book which has all the press cuttings and there are actually quite a lot so. <laughs> I think it's easy to lose sight though isn't it so it's nice to kind of go back on a trip down memory lane so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was cool yeah, um, it felt good, but it felt i mean it felt good a bit more because they were supporting you know, broadly what i was doing and people we were working with and, and that sort of thing than about me personally no, absolutely. That's um, that's really good attitude to have. And obviously, as an artist, it is always nice to get rec- recognition for the work you do. Um, now, talking of um, going down memory lane, you've been around the world um, playing music in some amazing places. And <laughs> it's another one of these questions of what's your favourite? Where's your Where's the favourite place you played, and why? Uh, if you can pick one. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I mean. Um, I ended up doing quite a lot of gigs in Greece for some reason. And there's mm-hmm. some very nice kind of beach bars, you know, at night where it's really balmy and you've got the sea. And you're... So, so some of those gigs are really good. In fact, there was one that I remember where I was, the DJ booth was right in the middle of the bar. So it's slightly raised and the bar was like a square. Mm-hmm. So they're serving all around you and you're right in the very center. And they just kept handing me drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's wicked. That's really Um uh, California, I love. Uh, done, done a lot of work in California, and um, that's a lovely place to, lovely part of the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of nice gigs. Uh, Barton Baker in Paris, uh, amazing, memorable. Wow. I, those guys are just, um, you know, to quite a few gigs in Paris, and and they are, they just looked after me so well, uh. so well when I was there. Um, so yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of great gigs. Amazing, yeah, Bart Baker, we love you. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, what's been your favourite show? <laughs> you probably can't pick one because you've done so many. But if there's any one that's kind of stood out, what for me, like a radio show? Or... No, uh, sorry, like show as in, um, you know, uh, club night show performance. Um, yeah. Um... Uh, tell you one that we did. Well, very very early on, we. Uh, with the white mink thing, we were working on kind of a more sort of immersive theatre speakeasy type event. So it was, mm-hmm. it was still about the music and the dancing basically, but there was also um, a sort of uh, theatre element, and we had um, sort of plants in the audience who were actually actors, um, mm-hmm. and they and we did this whole skit, which actually I didn't have much to do with. Um, but it was it was sort of by the guys from the Invisible Circus in Bristol, 
and the, there was a there was a, there was, a, was this whole storyline. This girl did this performance piece where she wanted to be a singer and wanted to get up on stage. Uh-huh. She was talking to members of the audience about she had slept with the guy who was comparing it, uh-huh. and he let her get up on stage. And as the evening went on, she acted more and more drunk, getting completely pissed. So they were all kind of having conversations with her and witnessing this whole thing. And then at the very end, she she storms up on stage while he's uh, comparing. She grabs the microphone off him and she launches into this complete amazing burlesque tune, which is just completely brings the house down. And then everyone kind of goes, oh my God, this is a complete setup. And uh, <laughs> it was just brilliant to see the whole thing work. And we had a couple of, we, we were like, it was a residency um, at the Edinburgh Festival. So it was, you know, it, it had time to evolve. But that, yeah. was, that was amazing. That was really cool. That sounds really cool. Do you think it's kind of a, a kind of important part of the kind of the electro swing experience, the kind of like the theatre aspect and the kind of immersive thing? Do you think that's what makes kind of some events stand out from others? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. I mean, it can also be why some people don't like it or some people can be put off by that element. I mean, I think generally when people come and they're there and they see it, they get swept up in the moment mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, it, it's pretty amazing and intoxicating uh, when you are there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, it is part and parcel of it, and it's probably for a reason. So, yeah, absolutely. Now we've talked about your kind of favourite gigs and the kind of places that you've been. Um, what is there anywhere that you haven't played uh, that you'd really like to play? Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, probably probably somewhere exotic like Hawaii. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, Caribbean. Um, yeah, I mean, just simply to get the flights. I've never been. I've never been invited to play Australia. That would be an interesting one. Yeah, that would be a good one, definitely. <laughs> so somewhere hot and sunny. <laughs> yeah. Or alternatively, actually, um, any any skiing gigs. Anyone wants to pay for me to go skiing, I will <laughs> believe DJ to uh, yeah to pay my way. That would be good. Are you, are you a skier? Yeah, I love skiing. Oh, amazing. I, I don't scare. I've, I've been snowboarding a couple of times badly. But <laughs> um, Now, I just want to talk about um, the possible kind of like negative side of the music industry. Um, mm. It's not uh, uncommon for people to kind of like crash and burn in the industry. Obviously, you've been working in music for such a long time. Do you have anything in place to kind of like look after your mental and physical health, like your well-being? 100%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you learn resilience and you learn uh, methods. I mean, I, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm very careful to keep my self, uh, you know, separate from, from my kind of business mm-hmm. entity. So although I'm kind of, you know, honest up to an extent, you know, my, like my personal Facebook page is not actually, it's not even my name. It's my pseudonym. You know, I don't, I'm not on social media, uh, I, you know, because I, because, you know, you, I think that, um, you know, you need some sort of separation from it. It's really, it, it is my life. It is all the stuff that I do, you know, it, uh, but at the same time, you just don't want to get eaten up by it. And, um, like you say, there is a, it's very easy to kind of burn out or, you know, get, get concerned about the wrong things. I mean, I think, I think more so now than ever, actually, I think, I think the sort of, you know, people get crazily obsessed by the stats and the numbers and, you know, mm-hmm. have I got 
more views than somebody else. And it's just yeah. like, that's so missing the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really, did you get into music to have more views than somebody? It's just like, surely not. Um, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult not to go down that road. So yeah, I have lots of, uh, lots of techniques. Yeah, that's a really good advice, not just for people in the music industry, but it just in, in general, social media is, is got a lot to answer for in a way. <laughs> if, yeah. if you could take it away and you could have a world without social media, would, would you, would you go for it? If we could just push a button and say, bye-bye. Um, it depends from which point of view. I mean, from a from a personal point of view, absolutely one hundred percent. I think I don't think it's I don't think it's great for anybody's mental health. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's great for the values that we have and share as a society. I think it's kind of it tends to in, encourage uh, not not the best aspects of humanity. Um, and you know, it's very easy to be manipulated by kind of social media i mean i think we're all kind of just you know growing up with it and finding our feet but yeah i mean personally if i could push a button yes mm-hmm. from a business point of view if i could push a button no absolutely <laughs> not. it's been amazing for us and yeah uh, no. absolutely so, i think um yeah. social media has been kind of crucial um during the coronavirus pandemic i hate to mention the dreaded c word mm. um but how is the coronavirus kind of affected you um or not you personally i mean like your you know fresh and squeeze your your music and how have you kind uh, of adapted i think yeah i mean you know we're kind of i mean it's a good thing about being a small company we're relatively light on our feet um i have uh, moved office which was that de- is definitely partly connected to that and it's been very hard to kind of keep the team focused and uh mm-hmm on the same page without actually meeting up that's been really difficult and i think some people have dealt with issues of kind of you know anxiety and depression and stuff Mm -hmm. uh you know being locked down and kind of you know it's been it's been a very weird kind of time so there's been you know bits of bits of those sorts of things um was it coronavirus yeah i mean you know but basically, I'm really lucky. I mean, I, you know, I feel in a way I feel kind of guilty because I'm so, you know, the, the, the world of actual music streaming and uh-huh. YouTube and the stuff that we make money from continues to in much the same way. So mm-hmm. as, a, as a company, we're relatively insulated. Uh-huh. But you know, at the same time, I, I relate so strongly having spent so long doing live events. You know, I relate very strongly to... Um, live event companies are and uh, you know i know how how absolutely awful it's been and you know probably worse is to come as well so yeah absolutely um did you think it's going to have a lasting impact on the music industry i think it will yeah um i i i, I think a lot a lot of things are going to be bust go bust i mean I, you know it may that's not to say that it will necessarily be all negative because i think a lot of new things will pop up that we can't quite see and predict yet so you know there will be some some kind of positive Uh outcomes uh you know maybe a shake-up is is good in some ways exactly yeah i I tend to agree pretty awful if you owned a a, you know a a nightclub or a bar (laughs) but uh, you know but some bad djs it's like yeah exactly 
I mean, I think one positive has been our producers are kind of sat at home with loads of time on their hands, so there's kind of like been loads more music that's been written. Mm. I'm, I think 2020 has been quite a good year for Electro Swing. Um, can I ask you, I don't you put you on the spot, who is your one to watch for 2020? Um, it doesn't put me on the spot at all. Riff Kitten, Riff Kitten for me. His, his album is this weekend and uh, his album's coming out in October. He, you know, he, um, again, you know, he brings a slightly fresh spin to Electro Swing. So, I, you know, what I'm liking about him is the whole, you know, Tim Burton. It's almost like it's the dark Electro Swing kind of vibe, uh-huh. but dark, dark as in tongue in cheek rather than seriously goth. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, his album's really strong and his next single is I think, particularly strong. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. So for people that are listening and you haven't checked them out, go go check out Riff Kitten. I'm also signed to Freshly Squeezed Music, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, cool. <laughs> um, and just on the kind of um, staying on the subject of kind of uh, music production, um, for any kind of aspiring uh, producers that are listening to the show, what advice could you give them? Um, I think I think probably three things. One. Uh, Find your own sound. Don't don't try and be like anyone else. Try and find your own style. Mm-hmm. Try and find what you can bring to the party that no one else does. Um, two, don't rush. Uh, it's you know the, it's a long game. You really need to kind of be consistent. Mm-hmm. Keep putting out stuff. Don't expect the first thing to be really good. And also, I would probably say, don't put out the first thing that you do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Probably you'll you'll improve so much in the first six months. You'll yeah. go, oh, I really hate that. I'm really embarrassed by it. And uh, you know, so <laughs> many people do that, and they just kind of rush something out, and then and then they improve, and then they really regret it, or or something changes. So yeah, don't do that. And um, yeah, three, uh, just just integrity be yourself, and um, you know, don't worry about. The numbers or what anyone else is doing, just kind of do your own thing, enjoy it, and uh, you know, be be sincere and honest, and and that way, you know, if you if you have success, it's a super bonus, and if you don't, you had a good time anyway. So, you know, yeah. that would be my advice. That's that's really solid advice. I think um, it is hard for people; they get excited and they want to put stuff out. And it's like, oh, this is really exciting, but I just say, just kind of take your time. Um, yeah. And again, what you say about social media, it is super hard not to kind of look at what other people are doing. It's just the nature yeah. of human beings. But yeah, that's um, that's really good advice. Um, now, we've talked about other people, but I'd like to ask about you. What does the future hold for Nick Hollywood and Freshly Squeezed Music? What can we expect over the coming months and years? Oh, we've got so much good stuff lined up. So much good stuff. I'm really excited. Always really excited. <laughs> I can really. tell your voice lit yeah. up when you were thinking about oh. it. <laughs> um, it's, it's always good, you know. You're always kind of looking looking a couple of steps ahead. And um, we, I mean, so it's 15 years this year. We've had a mm-hmm. really good year and it's been a very odd year. So our 15-year celebrations are, are, you know, having to do a compilation and there's a book and we're also doing sort of series of videos and podcasts and stuff but all of that has kind of got a little bit knocked sideways mm. by the other stuff that's going on so you know hopefully if there's time we will kind of do some of that stuff i've got um 
you know, we've got a really strong October coming up. So we've got the Riff Kitten album, we've got Swing Ninjas album, we've got Atom Smith album, which has been coming for a long time. We've also got a new single from Swing Growers. Ooh, um, exciting. Yeah, which is the new album from the Swing Growers coming, which is which is amazing. They've you know, it's fourth album in and you know, hand on heart, this is their masterpiece. This is the I didn't think they could <laughs> uh, to be honest, I didn't think they would be able to top outside in. I thought that's that's it really. Now. Yeah. And uh, you know, they'll they'll just kind of be be level on a level plane, but actually they've just done it. It's an amazing record, really amazing. So that's exciting. We've got Little Violet also working on her album for next year. We've got more from Odd Chap, who mm-hmm. really great, great producer. Um, so yeah, I mean, just there's tons, tons in the pipeline. So amazing! That sounds exciting. And I have to ask this: this wasn't on the list of questions, but any vinyl releases that are on the plan? Uh, Swing Girls will definitely be on vinyl. Um, I, I am kind of thinking about it actually. Um, you know. I, I sort of struggle with physical product because mm-hmm. you know C, CD. I've I've seen the CD, the rise of CD from the beginning and now through yeah. to the end, and uh, you know it was such a, a hate relationship, pretty much the, the whole of that period. Mm-hmm. But it's just so you know ecologically, it's so fucking wasteful. Yeah. The amount of the amount of plastic and packaging and yeah. Stuff, you know, and um, you know, I never liked that element of CDs. So, and vinyl is, you know, although I absolutely love vinyl and I'm passionate about it, it is also a big lump of plastic, and you know, it does kind of contribute to waste and landfill and <laughs> bits sort of necessary. So, I'm, so I'm slightly, slightly on edge um, with kind of with kind of making more really. That that's a good answer. A good answer. <laughs> Um, and I have to ask you, um, the electro swing scene, what do you think the future holds? Do you think how it's going to change? Is it going to evolve? Do you think it's going to grow? Do you think it's going to shrink? What do you think is going to happen? Um, I mean, I think I think eh, eh, all bets are off the table with uh, COVID-19. <laughs> Sorry, but it's just going to be, it's going to impact everything. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how integral the club scene is to the music because a lot of it is dance based uh-huh. and um, you know I think without without a kind of a club context and without people going out that's probably going to change yeah. the listening habits um, you know I mean I think people are always going to want to you know wave their arms about in the air have a good time <laughs> you know, escapism is yeah. super important but um, you know, at the moment that's not even an option no. <laughs> so, so you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I have no idea, no idea how it's going to go. Do you? Th- I mean, from a personal point of view, I think electro swing is one of those genres that is quite accessible. It, although it is club music, not all of it to me is is dance floor music. So, t- do you think yeah. that could that possibly go in, in its favour? If you think about radio too, you get kind of Cairo Emerald and things being mm. played on there. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, you know, I do think. Uh, I mean, there's always. You know, there's always things that uh, that transcend that. I mean, you know, Little Violet, for example, is is much more song based. Yeah. Uh, swing, or um, you know, even you know, Riff Kitten is much more kind of down tempo, and I think that makes what he does better. Mm-hmm. 
or, or more interesting. But yeah, I, it's it's some some of the more sort of I mean not not really my own releases, but some of the re other releases that I'm aware of in in the scene are often sort of focused at a kind of a dance floor club level. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those records sort of make less much less sense given what else is going on. So you know, yeah, it's. We'll uh... see. It's, it's really interesting the whole kind of uh, the coronavirus thing it is it's really going to um, see how kind of dance music if it how it's going to evolve I say because it's not not all about kind of going out at the moment right. but we shall see um, so we have a couple of questions for you um, mm -hmm. from some of the electro swing community the first one is quite a tough question actually for a fan question it's come from Kat she says, I'm so curious about the copyright platform mainstream promotion of the genre as a whole, I'm just referring to Electro Swing, and how it's affecting reaching wider audiences. That's, there you go, it's quite a, 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 a mouthful there for you. Copyright, so is she, um, she's she's wondering about kind of bootlegs and bootleg remixes, I, I guess. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that... Um, I mean that's con that's constantly changing and is a constant area of con confusion. And uh, you know, I find myself unwittingly becoming like the expert and giving so many people advice on what <laughs> is legal. Um, and uh, yeah, it does it does impact. I mean, um, the American copyright laws have changed, so the Music Modernization Act, uh, which was kind of passed by Trump uh, end of last year and is enacted the beginning of this year. That's basically meant that all public domain music is off the table in the States. Oh, wow. Usually where, I mean, it was literally, it happened like a year after the rest of Europe caught up with the American copyright laws. which And they're, they're super strict in America about that sort of thing. So, you know, that's going to have a pretty big impact. There is, there is still, and there always has been, a big underground scene. But, you know, platforms like SoundCloud are, are, are clamping down. Facebook mm. is clamping down. Um, you know, as those internet service providers become more regulated, so they kind of in, enforce existing laws. Um, I mean, I don't. I think that, that there's enough people making stuff. Um, I mean, pe people like Atom to refer back to, to my own catalogue. I mean, Atom Smith is working with a Hollywood big band arranger, so yeah. he's he's doing what they would have done back in the day. You know, they're scoring out brass parts. You know, with harmonies and just just recording it in a modern way, and then he's kind of sampling it and looping it in that way. So, you know, there's lots of ways to take the influence without necessarily mm. taking the original tunes. But I think, you know, I mean, something like uh, you know, Pisk, for example, where where he samples Mini the Moocher. You know, when when we did that, when we released that, that was a, a legal record. Mm -hmm. That is now no longer a legal record in the states. So. Oh, right. It's not if someone so if we were to release that now, we I would expect to have lawyers break down my neck. It's already out. It's done. So, okay. so you know, it's, it's legit now. But it, but if we put it out tomorrow, uh, it wouldn't be. Yeah, that's tough. I know Kat is from the states, so I think that that will really? will have been okay. what she was referring to. So. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, a slightly um, easier, lighthearted yeah. question uh, for um, you. From Chris, he'd like to know what are your hobbies, um, what do you do when you're not musicking, and also how important is it to have a separation between work, play, and life balance? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, when I'm not musicking, I sleep. 
That is, it is like, it's my life. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I play music to relax. I listen to music. When I cook, I listen to music. <laughs> um, but, I, but I am, you know, I've learned very strongly. I mean, originally I worked from home, so my office was at home. And you know, people would always say to me, how is it that you get any work done at all? And it's like, that's, that's never been the problem. The problem was, how do you ever switch off at all and stop yeah. working? And um, you know, that's what you learn to do. You learn to do, right, you know, now I'm going to switch off the computer and not to do any more emails. And you do gradually get better at that. And um, yeah, just have, having proper sort of separation. But music is part of my life. So, you know, to relax, I play piano and um, you know, play write music. and. Mm -hmm. uh, do stuff like that, but not, you know, it's very important that to, to separate out ambition and, you know, the business side of it and the fun side and uh, try and maintain the fun side and not let it become business or ambitious. So, yeah. Absolutely. Great question there, Chris. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> so we are coming towards the end of the interview. What we always do, um, finish off with a nice little easy uh, quick fire round, simple oh, yeah. answers. <laughs> One of the questions, though, I don't think you're going to answer, having from what's transpired over the interview. But we'll give it a go. <laughs> uh, whiskey or gin? Whiskey. Straight in there, I love that. Swing or jazz? Ooh, jazz. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that one. Maybe I should have done. <laughs> this is this is the elephant in the room. Power of Stella or Caravan Palace? That's the elephant in the room. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't ask that question, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's far enough. I thought it was a bit of a mean one. <laughs> and yeah. the final thing I'd like to know is what three things do you always take to a gig with you? Oh, yeah, no, I, I heard you ask Jamie that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> the sandwich is a great answer. The, the only <laughs> thing I could think of that uh, actually I consistently take, especially festival gigs, is I take really strong sleeping pills so I actually can get a night's sleep. Love it. Yeah, it's really essential. So yeah, my um, my prime drugs if I go to a festival is just <laughs> having sleeping pills. Um, yeah, otherwise you, you, you've got so much adrenaline, you're so wired, there's people being noisy. You, you just, you know, by day three, you're just a zombie. So yeah. Yeah, it's actually really good to get a decent night's sleep. So yeah, that, that's my... That's my top tip. Yeah, the other two would probably be sandwiches as well. Oh, I need to know what's on Nick Hollywood's sandwich. Uh, what's your sandwich of choice? See if we've got a rival for Jamie Berry. Um, do you know what? I, I think traditional. I think I'd go tuna mayo, actually. Ooh, tuna mayo. Old school. Love it. <laughs> I'm gonna, this is going to be a new feature now. I want to know what all the electro swing DJ and producers, what their, what's on their sandwiches. <laughs> They'll make it easy when I book them for Prohibition as well. We'll get a nice rider for you. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Excellent. You know, sandwiches, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was Jamie's sandwich? Sorry? What was Jamie's top sandwich? Oh, gosh. Now you're asking. I think it, oh, it was a BLT. Ah, good choice. And if he's pushing the boat out, he'll go to Waitrose and, um, or M&S. <laughs> uh, my daughter was doing um, a crossword the other day, and the clue was... The Queen's favourite sandwich filling. I was like, I'm totally stumped by that. We've been thinking about it like for the last couple of days. What is the Queen's favourite sandwich filling? I, th oh I was thinking was like coronation chicken or something, but it was that didn't fit. It's just like that's really weird. There's it, something. And did you find out the answer? 
No, no. Ah, right, we've got an answer. We've got a question for you, listeners. What is yep. the Queen's favourite sandwich filling? Answers below in the social media comments. If you know, we'll send you a prize. Yep. <laughs> We'd like to know. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Excellent. Uh, it's been lovely speaking to you, Nick. We have come to the end okay, of cool. the interview. It's been great to kind of find out more about well, everything that kind of makes you freshly squeezed. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, very much, Emma. Nice to talk to you. I'd, I'd like to have I'd like to have a chat with you about your label and what you're doing. Turn the tables and actually just find out. But maybe we'll do that another time when you're more up and running. Or exactly, um, yeah. Prohibition. I mean, I, this interview wasn't about me, but I will just quickly say something. Yeah, oh, yeah. the Prohibition record label is is very much in the infancy. Obviously, we've just had the the release that's come out from myself and Professor Elemental Madam Misfit. And if we can get anywhere near to what you guys have done with Freshly, then it would be a great achievement. So, got a lot of respect for what you guys do. Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll drop links to all of your social media um, for people so they can follow you and the um, YouTube uh, comments. So, yeah. So thank you very much, Nick. Thank you, Emma. Thank Thank you very much. Anyone who's made it this far as well, thank you for listening, bearing with us. Well uh, done. I'm sure they will have done it. I, 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 well, I, I found it interesting anyway. If everyone else does it, it's a special bonus. prize. For some, there should be like some secret question at the end here that if you can answer it, um, well, the Queen's favourite sandwich will probably do. If anyone gets that far, then we know that they made it to the end. Yeah. Hashtag Prohibition MCR. Uh, what a great interview. Thank you, Nick Hollywood, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak to me and the Prohibition Radio Show. I had lots of fun with that one, especially towards the end where we talk about the slightly random topic of what the Queen has on her sandwiches. If you do know the answer to that one, please get in touch. We'd love to know. That's all from me. I should be back with you next month uh, with an exclusive female takeover on the radio show, which actually links into an exciting project that Prohibition are launching in the first week of October. If you'd like to find out about that, make sure you subscribe to us on Instagram and also Facebook forward slash Prohibition MCR. I'm Emma Claire and I should be back with you next month. Hey, buddy, do you like to swing? Come with me. You're listening to Emma Clare, the best of all things, swinging at Prohibition Radio. Radio, 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 radio.